0: Let's go over
1: there, shake hands, smile, hug their neck. Let's knock them on their backs, butt them in the mouth, knock their ass in the dirt. That's what we got to do. We got to stop that buddy ball. Smash everybody in the mouth.
0: Hey, buddy. This is Hour 3 of Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson on the WRAD Talk Network. Remember, with great power comes great responsibility.
1: You know what that means? Do you? We're underdog. We're mutts. My number one play is the power sweep. If you only knew the power of the dark side...
0: for the big dog sports talk power hour
1: Stars the star shining bright above you night Seem to whisper, I love you.
2: Birds singing in the sycamore tree,
1: dream a little dream of me. Say nighty night and kiss me.
2: Okay, so I went a little out of the Just box. I was in the mood for some Ella Fitzgerald this morning. We like to jump around,
1: While play all I'm sorts of stuff. Want a little bit
2: of Elephant's Fitzgerald, by the way, accompanied dream by uh, the great Louis Armstrong, just to give me. you some context there. Thanks to uh, Mike Burnup and Jermaine Star Farrell. Fading, See, there I we go. See, there's the great uh, Louis Armstrong. I mean, come on.
0: Still craving your kiss.
2: How good is that? It can only be followed by someone even better joining us on the program. He's the Radford University Hall of Famer. He is our National Football League correspondent, the Hot Stow Lee, starting to pick up in the NFL. His name is David Smith. David, how are you? Good
1: morning. Good morning, brother. So, you know me, I'm going to always touch base on that music. <laughs> so, so, little known Dave Smith fact that no one cares about, I was a trumpet player. Oh, um, really? Through middle school, yeah, I played first chair trumpet um growing up i guess middle school through high school so i was in the concert band and and so obviously if you play trumpet during those days louis armstrong was a gold standard of trumpet players i did not get my jaws that (laughs) blown out for those who are listening have no idea what we're talking about google louis armstrong and you'll be mesmerized by how his cheeks expanded when he played trumpet the greatest trumpet player to ever live i'll put that on there right now yes. so thank you for yes. that this morning for the throwback
2: oh i mean and ella's voice i mean you forget okay. how just magnificent
1: i mean that's just that's the voice of an angel right there hey look and if Ooh. i'm not mistaken she might be a Virginia native i'm not sure is She so we'll really? have to okay do that you know we always going to give love to the native folks here on this absolutely program on this we are. absolutely we go. absolutely absolutely
2: all right, well, I mentioned the hot stow, leave David, and my goodness, this is why the NFL rules, because the games are over. Yes, we sir. had a flag football pro ball game that raided, and now everybody's getting all excited about the draft and about free agency that's coming up on the 13th. I mean, and these quarterbacks. I mean, there's some huge names, and we don't know the landing spots, right, of uh,
1: really some of the top <clears throat> quarterbacks we've seen in the league over the last four or five years. And, and you know, like I do, Rick, the NFL uh, has it figured out that they've expanded the Super Bowl to play one week before the NBA All-Star Game. Mm -hmm. And here we are. We're still talking NFL. The NFL Combine is this weekend. That'll be followed by continued free agency, franchise tag, schedule release. And before you know it, the OTAs and the cycle continues. And that's why we have this segment on the program. So I'm grateful for that. But we're going to start with the biggest elephant in the room is Lamar Jackson. Now, I was reading some stuff last night. ESPN had this particular commentary, on. I'm just going to share it with you. This past season was supposed to provide clarity about Jackson's future in Baltimore. It would the opposite. The question of whether the two sides agree on an extension continues to be as unclear as ever. But, Rick, a couple things are very clear. They will have to place a franchise tag on Jackson by March 7th. That's a week from today. They have to to keep him from becoming a free agent. Right. And there will be no long-term deal unless the Ravens or Jackson, who doesn't have an agent, backs off the stance that each holds regarding the guaranteed money. It's been a sticking point the whole time. Rick and Jackson, who hasn't spoken publicly about his contract since the start of the season, he wants the fully guaranteed deal in line with the five-year, $230 million contract that the Cleveland Browns, who's got to be the most irritating franchise to the rest of the NFL <laughs> in the world, to give Deshaun Watson that kind of fully guaranteed money. And then the Ravens are balking at that guarantee of guaranteeing the full amount because in essence, Jackson turned down a five year, $250 million contract in September. They included $133 million guaranteed. And prior to the Deshaun Watson contract, Rick, that was kind of the standard. That was kind of the standard for guaranteed money. But then when you signed Deshaun Watson in the division with, and then you've got Jackson who's had no issues at all and you give him that amount of fully guaranteed money, it just tipped the scale so far in that, in that arena. And, and this amount that Baltimore was guaranteeing um, was still more than what, what Russell Wilson got, which is 124 million guaranteed and Kyler Murray, $103 million guaranteed. And of course, moving forward, a source close to the knowledge of the Jackson's contract negotiations said that all of his counteroffers were still to have a fully guaranteed contract. And so, When you start thinking about all those kinds of things, it becomes really, really difficult for Baltimore and for Lamar Jackson because one other thing that comes into mind is this, which which tag the Ravens will choose when it comes to Lamar Jackson. This is what we talked about as we teased it going out last week. On a non-exclusive franchise tag, prospective teams can submit an offer sheet if they're willing to relinquish two first-round picks to acquire Jackson in a deal. The exclusive tag is set at $45 million dollars Let's the Ravens control the trade terms. If Baltimore wants to move more than two first rounders, the exclusive tag is the way to go. And a couple of sources I was reading about said the following a couple of months ago, I would have said no way that a trade is going to happen with Lamar Jackson. But now a team source says now it feels like anything is possible. Of course, as you get closer to where the franchise tag and which one of those comes up on Lamar the more desperate things go. So that's the Lamar Jackson story, Rick. I'd love to hear your commentary on how you see this thing playing out because my take on it is this, and I'll hand it to you. I don't know that Baltimore could possibly have invested everything they do the way they have with an MVP quarterback. There's only been two or three in their history that have been traded. How they can let this guy go, they've got to arrive at a solution.
2: It's strange to hear how the diatribe around this seems to be shifting. Originally, I was hearing all the, and I agreed with it, that, my goodness, why would they not go ahead and take care of this? And now you see all these pundits saying, well, the guaranteed money for a guy who's been hurt so often in the last three years. And all, I mean, I don't know if it's a battle of wheels or just you have to look at it a little differently with the style of play that he has. I'm with you. I mean, I look at it like this: we know how difficult it is, and we're going to talk about all these quarterbacks that are coming out and all the potential. And I'm sick and tired of hearing about college quarterbacks and their potential. Yeah. Cause it may or may not work. I just it just seems like to me that he's synonymous with what they do there. And I'm with you. I I feel like that they they have to come to some kind of conclusion, make every effort not to let this guy walk because they can't go with what they have now and then. They're going to be looking maybe at one of these other guys that we're going to talk about. But I don't know. I just don't know how you let him get away. Yep. Hopefully they can work it out. Hopefully they you can.
1: got When you've got a guy in the building, you got to keep him in the building. No, I agree. When you've got a I guy, agree. you've got to keep him in there. And you can hate that this is the new landscape of it all you want. But, boy, don't have one and find out what happened. Yeah. Ask San Francisco Absolutely. in the championship game what happened. Absolutely. And it was injuries in their case. Ask them what happens when you don't have a guy back there. Everything starts and ends with it, and you've got to figure it out in my opinion. No question.
2: Now, the other side of Aaron Rodgers is Green Bay saying, okay, we're done with you now. That's basically what they have said, the people covering the Packers, right? They're ready Mm -hmm. to move on. They're not going to keep – he's going to be traded. I think that's going to happen. It feels like to me that um, one more year, then things got a little more tense. It was tense going into last year, the flirtation with the Broncos, and now I believe Aaron Rodgers is out the door. What do you think, and where do you think
1: is the best fit for him? I agree with you. In fact, Albert Breer was talking about that in his article that he posted this week. He talked about early on, Green Bay was singularly focused on getting Rodgers back in the fold due to his high-level play and the state of the roster and the uneasiness about Jordan Love. And so, I'm like you. It was like, this is where he's going to be. This was prior to the season. He recommitted. They got the big money and the whole bit. Now it appears that the Packers are open to moving Rodgers and there are questions about the team's veterans along with cap issues, which interesting is, the Packers seem to think that maybe they're fooling themselves. I don't know. It's kind of like the Trey Lance thing. We don't know about these guys because we haven't seen them because as seasons play along, teams are trying to win games. No one wants to be part of being in the middle. You either are good enough to win. If you're good enough to win, guys' careers are dependent upon you. We mm-hmm. can't have these trials if we're good enough to win. And so the Packers seem to think that Love is a capable starter with considerable upside, Standing in the way of potential trade with Rodgers, though, Rick, being owed $59.52 million this year, fully guaranteed, fully guaranteed. And and, Bre- and Breer mentions on his article, no one is trading for a quarterback with that number without knowing that he's all in. Now, here's the Aaron Rodgers part of it. He's a crafty guy. He's a smooth operator. And, and I look back at notes, Rick, when we were judging quarterbacks in the offseason, we did our top 10. I had him as a number one quarterback in terms of playing on the field. Throwing the football and his ability to make plays, his arm talent, is legendary. And he'll be a fit somewhere if you've got a strong enough locker room and a strong enough pieces around him. And that's why I think he will be traded because, to me, the Jets are looming. They're needing that. They've got the offensive and defensive rookies of the year. They've got a good defensive with the, with Robert Saleh handling that side of the ball. It seems like that piece would fit well with the Jets, if not Derek Carr, which we'll talk about in a moment. To me, I believe the same thing as you. I think it is time for him and time for Green Bay to make that move. And I'll leave you with this. Rodgers appeared in all 17 games this year, completing 64% of his passes for 3,695 yards, 26 TDs, and 12 interceptions. Why does that sound like a pretty decent year? By Aaron Rodgers' standards, that probably was his bottom third season in the history of him playing He has always been a guy that's been high on touchdowns and low on interceptions, and yet he still had 3,695 yards. I just believe that this thing has run its course. I think Green Bay is finally ready to cut bait with all the games and just be a little bit more solid with where they're coming from at the quarterback position.
2: Well, and I'm looking forward, if it does happen, that whole uh, New York media Aaron Rodgers <laughs> back and forth is going to be a lot of fun. it's got to be a
1: lot of fun, 100%. Now,
0: Derek
2: Carr is kind of the guy, the forgotten man of all these quarterbacks. I think he's a very solid player. Um, he, he made it very clear what he was going to do. He didn't like the way the Raiders handled, so he's gone. And what do you think? I mean, the Jets seem to have one of these two guys in their sights, and if not New York for Carr, where could he end up?
1: Well, I, I am a fan of Derek Carr for this reason. Not because he's super-duper elite, but because he's solid enough that last year the Raiders were in the playoffs, and they were one player away from advancing in the first round of the playoffs. No one remembers any of that, though, Rick, except people like you and I, right? Yeah, yeah. Because it's, like it's either championships or rings or bust. So that means 31 teams have a bad year, one team has a good year. I don't subscribe to that. I think it's a process. A lot of things have to go your way. Derek Carr has been in the league, I think, nine years. Reports are that he's seeking $35 million a year, but that'll be tough for him to secure, even as a free agent to me, you know, a former second round pick for the Raiders in 2014 was in the final year of his contract when the Raiders signed him to the five-year, $125 million extension, which included $70 million guaranteed in 2017. Now, word is he had a great visit with the Jets, and to me, if you're thinking about the Jets, you're going to have people you're going to have to pay real soon. Derek Carr has made his money. He could go to the Jets. He's a no-problem guy, and he's in New York. The question is, he could be a no-problem guy, but New York can make you a problem. Is he one of those guys that, that every time he makes a mistake versus being out in Vegas where it kind of just flew under the radar or even in Oakland, now in New York everything going to be on the two or three newspapers and the tabloids is he built for that kind of arrangement. I kind of feel like he's going to be the second fiddle. His domino will fall after Aaron Rodgers. I think his first place to go will probably be the Jets' But then there's Atlanta looming as well. Will he try to take a role in Carolina? Is Sam Darnold a guy? Will Carolina make a draft pick? To me, I think Derek Carr is in a wait for Aaron Rodgers mode, but the Jets are high on the list of places I think he could land.
2: Well, and finally, it feels like Jimmy Garoppolo is third on that list now in San Francisco with what Brock Purdy did. Trey Lance is still there. I mean, where is he going to end up? This is a guy I still think is a very serviceable quarterback. He kind of continues to kind of be overshadowed. But what he did in San Francisco before this latest injury, I think, doesn't get enough uh, play in the
1: media. You, you you heard me say it all year long. My brother and brother-in-law is San Francisco 49ers fan. And I kept saying, what has this guy ever done to you guys that want to kick him out? He comes back. He takes you to Super Bowls, NFC Championship games, 10-point lead against the Chiefs. They just couldn't finish the deal. Listen, Jimmy Garoppolo, in my opinion, could be the one that ends up in in Vegas. If Aaron Rodgers doesn't end up there, he could end up in Atlanta. I was reading an article that Atlanta is talking about having him be down there to continue to can to contend possibly with Marcus Mariota or Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati. All he did last year before he got injured was sixty-seven point two percent completions, twenty four hundred and thirty-seven yards, sixteen TDs and four interceptions. San Francisco was on a roll. Brock Purdy comes in. We know what happened with him. Magic ensued, but the system is in place. He was a great fit for it, a no problem guy. I can't understand it. People are needing quarterbacks. I think he is in the pecking order of having to wait to see which dance partner will be left last. I like him in Vegas. He has a relationship with, with, uh, with, with, uh, with Daniel, the coach there from their days in new England. So to me, I think that could be a landing spot for him. Jimmy Garoppolo will play for someone. The question will be, when he throws that resume out there, will people be willing to pay him, or will they, ha- or will he have to take a back seat financially, even though his resume stacks up with most of the teams and most of the quarterbacks, I should say, in the league?
2: Well, it's going to be fascinating how this is going to wind down, and then next week I want to dive into your take on these quarterbacks. I mean, there's a couple mm-hmm. risers Anthony Richardson and Will Levis seem to be lessening the distance between Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. And then if you decide on one of those guys, which one would it be? And the Chicago Bears are saying, you know what? We really do like Justin Fields. We might get out of this and give somebody an opportunity. It's going to be some fun maneuvering here in the next few weeks. If, I know we get a lot of smoke this time of year. What's truth and what's fiction from these GMs?
1: But it feels like the Bears are going to move out of that number one pick. They, I think I think they're going to move out of that, and, and I, I made a note here. Justin Fields, your only option if you're the Bears is to stay put. What you want to do is you want to do what the Eagles have done. You build around this unique guy who does unique things, right. just like they did with Lamar. The Eagles have shown you can build through draft capital. You've got that number one pick. Fix the places that are broken. Get him a couple of weapons. You can make it happen, especially in the NFC North. I don't think anyone's coming out of there feeling like, It's not gettable. My Detroit Lions are in the mix, but Chicago can get that handle right away. I think that's what they do. Just like we talked about, we'll get into the quarterbacks next week. To me, the Niners, I guess you're all in with Trey Lance and Brock Purdy, so you can sit tight. And then there's Atlanta, Uh, finally, with Marcus Mariota at the helm and Desmond Ritter. There's talk that Lamar Jackson is very attractive to Atlanta. You get him in there on turf. In the South, he's from that area with Kyle Pitts and a couple other pieces. Atlanta is a great destination for Lamar Jackson if the Ravens do the unthinkable and let him see somebody else. I can't see it happening, but that's why we'll have the show next week to see which franchise tag they have placed on Lamar. That'll get the ball rolling.
2: And something's going to happen that's going to blow us all away. We won't see where any of these guys – somebody's going to show up somewhere where you're, wow, where'd that come from? Right. 100%. That's
1: exactly how it works. Looking forward to seeing it. All
2: right, brother. Well, listen, great stuff as always. Uh, are you going to be traveling down to Charlotte, hanging out with the Highlanders late on Friday?
1: That is the plan right now. I'm still carving out plans, whether it be Friday or Saturday. But either way, I'm there in spirit. And so I know the Highlanders are going to get it done. Congratulations to them on a great season. The guys got the three seed. The ladies got the four seed. Anytime you can be top of the Vic South, which I think is a very competitive basketball league this year. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah. I think I think we're right there at the top of it, though, so I'm looking forward and excited to seeing the ladies and the guys have success down at the Bojangles Coliseum, right? Yes, right
2: the Bojangles Coliseum where you can't find any Bojangles chicken within 20 miles of that place. I don't understand. Get the heck no. out
1: No. Really? Yes. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> I have to bring my own. I have to bring my own. The yellow boxes will be traveling in from outside. There you go. <laughs> well, if you have any
2: extra, just sling it over to press row, okay, during the market. I got you. I know where to find you, brother. You know where I'll know where be, to find you. you. Yes, sir. All right, man. Well, listen, stay safe. Great stuff, David, and uh, we'll talk again next week. You got it, my guy. That's <laughs> David Smith, the Radford University. Hall of Famer, our NFL correspondent. I am intrigued to see what happens with these guys. I don't know. You know, Lamar Jackson seems like he's a unique guy, and the Ravens showed you they're okay, but they don't have a quarterback. Atlanta could be an X-factor. Garoppolo, I think, is underappreciated. Derek Carr is a bit underappreciated. Aaron Rodgers feels like I think I think David's right. It feels like Aaron Rodgers is going to end up a Jet. We'll be back. Stay with us. Rolling along on a Tuesday.
0: Big Dog Sports Talk is taking a timeout. Now hold wait a minute, timeout. You want to say that one more time without the sarcasm? PTSD will return in a moment on WRAD.
2: We are halfway done with the final hour here on a Tuesday. We'll be back. Louise Baker team hotline will be open for you 639-4900 text line 744-2990 final segment
0: coming up when we come back
2: All right, now we're talking. we got a little heat wave going here. Somewhere, Rafford, uh former Radford University head basketball coach, current UNCG head man, Mike Jones, is feeling the vibe. I mean, you know. Six three nine forty nine hundred on the Baker Team hotline. Text line at seven four four twenty nine ninety.
0: 2990
2: heat wave action. All right. <laughs> Good stuff, though, all the way around. Um, all right, we've addressed the concerns throughout the program today about what's going on with the offensive line coach situation. I hope that helped a little bit. We'll review if you missed that. Let's go to the Baker team hotline. Hey, good morning. Who's this?
0: Big Dog, Big Al, and Gay Likes.
2: Hey, what's up, Big Al? How you doing this morning, brother?
0: Don't know if you've heard any rumors about this, but I have it from a pretty well-placed source that the um – Virginia High School League, being the outstanding body uh, (laughs) that they are, is taken under consideration and is going to vote for transfers and NILs at the high school level.
2: Yeah, I think it's trending in that direction. I know it is in Texas and California and other places like that. So I think it's already happening, to be honest with you. We just haven't been privy to the information. It is. It's already happening.
0: Well, you, all, you were talking earlier today, what, what's the basketball program in Richmond yeah. ranked number one in the country? Yeah,
2: John Marshall, and they're doing that right now. I mean, that, that's the Yeah, safe. so,
0: I mean, yeah. are, are, are we not creating an environment where we're going to stack it at every level?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, we are. And then the, the schools like ours around here who are doing it the old-fashioned way and, and getting to these levels know that they're going to be capped out at a certain part of the postseason. So, so
0: does that not in a sense, cannibalize the sport because you have fewer and fewer competitors and people lose interest in it.
2: Yeah, I think it could. That's a great point. And I just, I'm continuing to be shocked, Al, what's going on with – I mean, these folks that are supposed to be in charge of these things, what, what do they do? They just – it's kind of like what's going on in the NBA with Adam Silver, right? And now he's talking about having a cap on overtime points scored and all that. It's like for, everybody is just kind of just throwing their arms in the air as if they can't do anything to – regulate what they're supposed to be in charge of. That's what happened to the NCAA. That's why it's a know-nothing, powerless entity now, and that's what's going to happen with things like the VHSL.
0: Well, it, it, it seems to me, and maybe I'm wrong, I realize that athletes are bigger, faster, and stronger than they used to be, but it seems like we're trending toward a direction management and players are trying to maximize money in their pocket while minimizing the effort put out.
2: Yes, that, that I think identifies the NBA to a T right now. Which is why so many people have a problem with it. Charles Barkley went off a couple of days ago with Stephen A Smith about how he hates to see where the league is trending and and he used the example of, you know, people that work in a coal mine or a steel mill, they go to work every day. They're working a lot harder and a lot longer than NBA players making 30, 40 million dollars and can't play four basketball games a week, right? I mean, he well, made it, I that's right.
0: Well, I understand that professional athletes are forced to stay in shape year round, but um, I guess I don't know of any other industry off the top of my head where you're looking for better pay for less performance. That seems counterintuitive to me. Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. But yet people continue to cave that kind of thinking.
0: All right, big dog. You have a great day. No,
2: Thanks. So. Good call, man, as always. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's troubling, it is. And I think what we're seeing too, and maybe I'm wrong and you can let me know, it feels like we're having an overcorrection the other way now, on every other side of this for decade after decade, all the money that was made in college athletics I'm talking about. Now, the thing about this with the high schools and where we're headed, it, it's going to be interesting to me who's going to step up That has to be somebody in the community that just wants to see their old high school, their alma mater do well because there's not really a lot of dollars to be made by filtering money to some kid or a family to move their kid to play high school basketball or football for a year in your school, right? I mean, it's not as if you're going to have all of a sudden all these wonderful money-making opportunities, You're just basically contributing and saying, here, I'm donating. This is my donation. Let's try to get this person in here. Now, from a collegiate perspective, with all the collectives that have been and continue to be propping up all over the country, this is to make your program win. So, yeah, there's more of a benefit to what is going on. and uh tv contracts whatever it may be and more money to be made throughout but we're seeing an overcorrection from all the years that nothing was giving to the student athletes other than their uh, scholarship their education and their books which was fine and dandy we all bought that hook line and sinker for a number of years until you started seeing the money that was being made with television deals in particular media rights things like that and it really changed about 30, 40 years ago, and Ed O'Bannon got the whole thing going with name, image, and likeness, right? Ed O'Bannon, the former UCLA Ford, who was an All-American high school player, was the key figure when UCLA won the 95 National Championship when they beat Arkansas, took this thing to court and got this thing heard, and it took a long time, but it came around. It came around again. So... What we're seeing is a vast overcorrection now. Not that I can sit here and tell you I disagree with the, payor, uh, the players who make all the money making some money. I mean, again, we're just not ready for it to the magnitude in which it's developing, and it's going quickly, it's evolving quickly. Very, very quickly. And Al's right. I mean, it's, it's going to happen in certain pockets of high school sports. It's already happening in, in bigger states and bigger places. But that's been going on for a while, too, right? Shoe companies have been directing high school kids to certain programs for a long, long, long time. So this, in a sense, has been going on forever, Right. Um, so, it's new and it's not new. Right. It's 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 just Sonny Vacaro comes to mind. Right. He got into some trouble. He'd been directing these camps, these AAUs, these summer touring camps, and. You you give these top-rated kids and kids who are rising, whatever they might be, certain types of gear, and then they go and they end up going to one of those schools. North Carolina was the one who really started the whole ball rolling when they had the Nike deal, and it's just kind of segued since then into all these other places. So it has been going on for a while, but now there's different areas. It's not just shoes anymore. It's not just all these other things that that are going on. It's... It's every aspect of anything that you can get, and families are trying to take advantage of it as well. But you're going to continue to see it at a high school level. And pretty soon you may have to just throw out your current classifications, right? John Marshall obviously skewing their attendance numbers to stay where they are because where they're located in Richmond, I don't think they have any trouble probably going well over what their classification currently is. That's just me thinking out loud. But instead of worrying about school size, you may have to start worrying about, okay, what's the uh, high school donation factor? What's the NIL? We have to start putting all those schools in the same district. So that the Radfords and Floyds and Giles and George Wisp, Pulaski Counties have an actual shot once they get into the postseason. Because Radford, if they keep winning, is going to run into John Marshall again in the state semis. John Marshall's averaging 115 points per game so far in the postseason tournament. 115 points per game. For a Class Two program in the Commonwealth. And you're telling me that's just because of where they're located? You're telling me that's just because of the vast amount of talent in a place like the Richmond area surrounding, as opposed to here in the NRV? That's the only reason? Come on. It's not pretty. It's not pretty. But it is the reality. And again, nobody wants to do anything because there's not any true leadership anymore. People just collect checks, they move on, they don't want to ruffle any feathers. They want to have to come up with deals and try to institute rules and and then have to deal with the consequences. That's where we are. That's why the NCAA has just backed away. Because they know they're going to lose every court case unanimously because they always have and they always will. Because everything they did was unjust, unconstitutional. Whatever word you want to use, whatever the NCAA got away with for all those decades was one of the biggest – crime operations that was out there in front of everybody right that's ever been and now the overcorrection and the aftermath of it which is why they just throw their arms in the air and they still try to from time to time go after certain programs but they're really a powerless entity right now so anyway then yes, it's going to become more and more of a story at the high school level. It already is in certain places, but here in the Commonwealth, we're going to feel it too. You're going to start reading stories about it. On a somewhat related note, but not really, remember when the Pac-12 was going along and saying they were getting ready to sign this multi media rights deal despite the fact they were losing UCLA and losing USC, and they said, hey, we're going to be just fine. Well, the three entities that originally were lined up to talk to the Pac-12 all pulled out. Pac-12 still doesn't have a media rights deal. And I say this because it's very interesting to me that that league basically ended when UCLA and USC fled to the Big Ten. They're trying to negotiate. You ready for this? They're trying to negotiate with some internet company I've never heard of and... The ION television channel. You know what ION's biggest claim to fame is? They show reruns of the Tom Selleck show Blue Bloods. (laughs) And all the jokes that followed when the college football pundits on Twitter were reporting that this is who they're negotiating with, ION television. It's going to be great in between games to have You can binge watch Blue Bloods in between kickoffs. That's what people were joking, things like that. Have Tom Selleck come and have the ceremonial coin flip. There's no network that wants any part of the Pac-12 without UCLA and USC. Now, the reason this is vital is because we've heard for a long time, and by the way, Florida State raising more cane behind the scenes. They want out of the uh, ACC desperately. But that meteorites deal, oof. Until it's challenged, it's going to be hard. We've gotten into that many, many times. I think Florida State's going to challenge the ACC meteorites deal here sooner than later. But what this means right now is I think these Pac-12 schools that were rumored to be looking to leave are going to expedite that process, and the Pac-12 may be completely gone. If they think they're going to add San Diego State, And whomever else, San Jose State, and if they believe that is going to make them a viable 12-team league going forward, they're going to be sadly mistaken. Remember how the Big Ten was being aggressive and they just said, well, we're going to take a wait-and-see approach, the SEC as well, once they expanded recently? This is what they were waiting and seeing. So you could potentially see all three – of the other big leagues, including the Big 12, so I guess you could say four, have some kind of membership increase sooner than later from the Pac-12 remaining entities. Because without a media rights deal, and they already have a horrible, horrible network that has lost money year in and year out because they never distributed it to a national level, the Pac-12 will disband, in my opinion. And I think you'll see all the other leagues be able to take who they want. I really believe at some point Oregon-Washington will be in the Big Ten. I think the ACC could get involved too. I think the ACC might look to go coast-to-coast at some point. Big Ten's already doing that, so it's no big deal to them. They just want to get another region. They could take the Northwest, take Oregon-Washington, and be done with it. Cal and Stanford's going to end up somewhere. Big 12 might be looking at those Arizona schools. Utah, Colorado. And then, instead of this, we were all thinking it was going to be a big five, we might be looking at a big four. Because the big 12 can go ahead and and add these other schools out of the Pac-12, then all of a sudden they're players again. I really believe that, considering the ads that they're making coming up. Now, it won't be – they'll be the number four-ranked conference at all times under the other three, but keep an eye on that with the Pac-12 because if they think they're going to sign a deal with Ion Television and with a straight face be able to sell that to their current members and the presidents and the folks that support the programs, ooh, good luck with that. They've been very bold. But now you can read between the lines. You see exactly why they were so desperate to try to keep it. UCLA, at the very least, through the UC regions, but that failed. In any event, we'll be back to wrap it up after this.
0: I was listening to the broadcast, and I was wondering, what exactly is it? You're in the doghouse with Rick Watson and Big Dog Sports Talk. More BDSD next on WRAD. Hi, this is John Feinstein, and you're listening
2: to Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson. Wrapping it up here on a Tuesday. Apple Plus, by the way, also a potential partner. They might end up being just a streaming service coming up with the Pac-12. You think that's going to enhance their financial making abilities? Ooh, they've waited too long. They've waited far too long. But I don't think it's their choice. I just don't think they can find a deal. I really don't. We'll see. We'll see. All right, tomorrow on the program, Ken Brown we're gonna, is uh, going to join us in the first hour. We'll get into the Big South Conference tournament. Bill Roth and then Liz Kitley, Tech getting ready to depart tomorrow for the ACC tournament. And we'll talk to the – Now, month-long ACC player of the week. Now the all-time leading scorer at Virginia Tech. She's easily one of the five best players in the country, in my opinion. And we'll talk to Liz tomorrow to get uh, her thoughts as the team gets ready to head into yet another postseason. I believe the best team in the conference. I believe one of the best teams in the country. I think they're going to get a number two seed. And I think they're going to host a couple games and they have a shot. If things fall right with matchups, I believe they could uh, find their way in the Final Four. We'll see how all that unfolds. But that's tomorrow on the program, and then uh, other things as we navigate through the week in preparation for uh, Big South Conference tournament weekend here for Radford. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. Great stuff today. Thanks to Mike Burnett, Jermaine Farrell, David Smith. We'll see you tomorrow on the Wednesday edition. Take care.
0: Center for. I'm Ron Burgundy. You stay classy, New River Valley.